The Weekly Driver Podcast receives support from americantrucks.com, your late model Silverado, Sierra, Ram, and F-150 online aftermarket retailer, bringing you all of the hottest parts from accessories to lift kits, from wheels to tires and winches. americantrucks.com has the knowledge and know-how to make your wildest dreams come to reality. Visit americantrucks.com for your chance to win $17,760 in upgrades for your truck. Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast, episode number 31. My name is James Rea. I am the editor and publisher of the website, theweeklydriver.com. I write a syndicated automotive column for Bay Area News Group. My co-host, as always, except for one episode, uh, is Bruce Aldrich, uh, close friend, uh, car connoisseur, mechanic, all-knowing about automobiles. And today's topics are going to be all over the map, but we've got a lot of bases to cover. So, Bruce, um, we had a nice lunch today, and uh, I'm glad that you're back, and we're doing another episode. Here we are. Well, yeah, let's talk about meatloaf sandwich. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> you, you had the meatloaf sandwich, and I had the... Um, the meatless, the, yeah, the nutty burger, nutty burger, and we did have some steak fries, uh, which were good. And it's a, it's an old place in town in Sacramento that's been around since 1935. It's just called the Shack, and it's like if you're in the mood for some comfort food in a nice old style place, it's a good place to go. Right on Folsom Boulevard, it's been around what is that, 80 years now, something like that. Yeah, it's it's very old, and we took something brand new, 2018 iconic, ionic. Ionic. It's an iconic Ionic. It, it is iconic. And it is Ionic. It's it's Toyota's, pardon me, it's Hyundai's new answer to the Toyota Prius. Correct. And we've, the Toyota Prius, I believe, uh, was in Japan for a few years before it came to the U.S. I think it was 2000. And um, if you add up all of the other hybrids that sell, um, all of the different Toyota Prius models add up, it's it's... By far, it's dominated the, the hybrid market since it debuted in the United States. And now we see, for maybe the first time, uh, definitely a car that uh, Hyundai is going after. It sure seems to me that they're going after that market. And you've driven it, I've driven it, and it, it just has a lot to offer. Oh, it's, it's an excellent car. Yes, it's, it's going to give Prius a run for its money. And it comes out in three different uh, drivetrains. they got full electric and then a plug-in hybrid, and then a regular hybrid. Yes. Um, Entry-level price of just under $23,000. And I think if you have every bell and whistle on it, uh, it's about twenty-seven, something like that. Uh, and It comes in just a little lower than the, than the Prius. A little lower than the Prius. Uh, has uh, estimated gas mileage is two miles or three miles better than the Prius. Correct. But above and beyond that, I think the, the, the people who are the, the tractors of the Toyota Prius always say, look how ugly the Prius is, no matter which one you get. I kind of like some of the newer ones. The, the, the Prius V is a whole different thing. But many people who are saying I would never buy a Toyota Prius, I believe, aren't saying it because of its economical and environmental uh, positives. They're saying it the negatives are that it's just so ugly they can never drive one. Now we have a car that has three different options, as you mentioned, and it looks like a real car. It's a, Yeah, I think well, good-looking is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but it's certainly not ugly. It, no. I, it, this looks like a mainstream Hyundai. Right, right. So uh, going through the car, uh, let's see. 
Uh, I drove it. You drove it today. We were. Um, it's handling. It's it, it's so quiet. The fact that how the the different parts of the engine work when you're at a stop sign and a stoplight. Um, what were some of your thoughts uh, when you drove it? We probably you probably drove it. I don't know seven or eight miles today, ten miles, something like that. So, what were your thoughts about driving the car and its responsiveness and the room in the car? So, take me through a little bit of that. Well, the one we drove was the plug-in hybrid, yes. so that's kind of cool because, in theory, uh, you wouldn't. It's kind of like the Chevy Volt with a V. Mm-hmm. You don't, uh, you know, if you're doing short trips and you leave it plugged in, you wouldn't have to burn any gas. So that's kind of cool. Right. Ours was uh, discharged. We didn't have it plugged in, so yes. it was just driving like a regular uh, hybrid Prius. Mm-hmm. And what's neat about this car, though, is it it has a uh, conventional transmission, a, a six-speed dual-clutch transmission, yes. which is which is a good way to have a, a car set up. It's automatic. But it's got uh, the feel as if it's a manual, which really it is. It's a manual with this an automatic clutch. Yes, and you, you, when we were driving, you changed it from the normal mode into a sport mode, and you noticed uh, uh, an appreciable difference in the acceleration and maybe something else as well. Oh yeah, the, the first thing you notice when you <laughs> pop that thing in there yeah. into a sport is the uh, um, the the. the Old-fashioned looking uh, gauges up there turn into a big old tachometer, so you really feel racy. Yes, and it kicks down a gear. It, it seems kind of sporty, peppy. Yeah, and you mentioned it's kind of fun, but it's, it's like two cars in one when you yeah sport or regular economy mode. And you mentioned that you read a little bit about it that people it's actually the acceleration is actually a little bit slower than a Prius. Yes, but that it feels like it's faster because it's lighter weight or the way that. Other parts of the engine are set well, up. What that, was your, what it's, was your that, it's that dual clutch uh, transmission. I see. You, you feel like you're hooked to the car when you uh, accelerate. The uh, as the speed goes up, the RPMs go up. Yes. Unlike a uh, like the Prius has that uh, continuously variable transmission. Yes. Which is like having a rubber band between your foot and and your perception of, of moving out. It just there's there's a disconnect there in those continuously variable transmissions. Right. Good wordplay, Bruce. Very good. Rubber man, I like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm used to it because I, I drive a uh, Subaru Outback, which has that continuously variable transmission. The, the, I'm used to the rubber band, so you know I don't really mind it, but it's sure not very sporty. You don't really no. feel... There's a disconnect. Yes. So we also noticed a f- uh, lots of other areas about the car, or at least a few other areas about the car. Like a Prius, my big problem with the Prius is that the hatchback divides the rear view vision through the rear view mirror in half. So you have a, in my opinion, other people don't mind it, but to me it's it's very distracting when you see the view out the back window split in half. And and I don't know why you can't have a hatchback. I'm not an engineer, but why can't you have a hatchback in those types of cars that don't have that restrictive rear well, view? I think they do it that, that high back is better for aerodynamics. That's mm-hmm. why it's so high back there. Um, As opposed to safety. Or, you know, yeah, I don't think yeah. it has anything to do with safety. <laughs> no, no, in terms of if you had a, if you had a full view, maybe it's safer to have a, a, a... Oh, well, yeah, but I guess you shouldn't be stomping on the brakes anyway <laughs> okay. and having people rear-end you. But, that's, that's true. Um, this one has the split uh, window thing, yes. just, just like a Prius has, but not quite as dramatic or not, not as bad. Not, not, as not so as intrusive. And the interior of the car, I liked it uh, in terms of like the little speakers and the door handles for a car that's in that price range. They seem to 
They designed it really well. It flows nicely. The top of the uh, dashboard, I always call them golf balls. It has that kind of uh, the texture. The texture. I uh-huh. like that a lot for an inexpensive car. Uh, everything is, seems to be straightforward. Uh, the sound system's pretty nice. Infinity for, system, yeah. An infinity system. The one thing that you noticed um, that we, we went through the uh, navigation and other functions, and it has an awful lot of things you can do with the different driving modes and, and the other options that are available in the car. It had different graphic, different screens that came up, although the screen's kind of small. Yeah, the uh, the good thing is it's all very simple dash and very simple screens. But if you want to get to somewhere, then you have to go through layers. So yeah, if you don't want to play with stuff, I think it's good. If you're if you're one of these people who really likes to you know fiddle with things and settings, that then, would be you. Yeah, that would be you. Th- then it's a little cumbersome because you have to go through a number of layers to get to get where you want to go. Yeah. Uh, do you think that? Um, this car, although we haven't f- quite figured out where the name Ionic came from yet, we don't know the, the I shouldn't say Genesis, but I'm going to say we don't know where the Genesis of the name came from yet. But do you think, I'm thinking that this is a car that could kind of break into the complete domination that the Toyota Prius has had for 15, 16, 18 years. Is this the car that could make a difference? I think it could, um, but definitely on paper. It, it makes it's it's right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to see down the line how it holds up and what's going on with it. But uh, one thing I mentioned though was the warranty on this thing yes. versus a Toyota. Uh, they're talking about powertrain limited warranty for ten year, hundred thousand miles. Right, the Hyundai, Toyota, the Hyundai way. Toyota is not doing that. No, and they also say they got a lifetime battery warranty, so you don't have to worry about replacing that. Mm-hmm. It'll be on their dime. Yes. Uh, and 24-hour seven road, assist, road assistance, uh, the uh, bumper to bumpers, five years and sixty thousand miles. And I mean, that's it's a double. It's double Toyota. It's du- right? double Toyota. So Kia, yeah. Kia, and Hyundai um, have this ten and a hundred. That's been a big selling point uh, throughout the lineup of both those brands. Even though they're you know they're both the same brand really, but those two uh, nameplates have that ten and a hundred, and that's been a big selling point. Which to me. People say, "Well, what if I want to? What if I'm going to sell this car after three years, or sell another Hyundai or a Kia after three years?" I think people sometimes forget that they have these warranties that are great. The resale value, they say, "Well, the resale value is no good." But I think these warranties kind of counterbalance the fact of the resale sum that you're going. If if you're going to sell it, that's fine. But if you want a car that's going to be under a damn good warranty, you're going to get a Hyundai or a Kia, as opposed to even Honda, great car, but three and thirty-six on bumper to bumper. Yes, and I, I just like the interior finish on this car. You don't feel like you're sitting in a bottom-end car, which right. basically it is. It's a bottom-end interior, but it's a little nicer than the Toyota, uh, you know, the Priuses, I believe. Yeah, it is It is nicer. I, I think I've driven every one of the Priuses uh, in the last, let's say, five or six years. I've driven every possible uh, Prius that the, you can have. The little tiny one to the new big one that I really like. The and you get in them, and all you're thinking is plastic, plastic everywhere. Yes, and cheap, cheap, cheap. And yeah. this car is is a notch better. I agree. So and the handling's better. The braking is normal. You don't feel that regenerative braking. Um, the suspension is is pretty nice in yes. this car. I'm surprised. A little bit of an adjustment on the braking. It seemed the braking. Wasn't bad, but it just it was a different feel for me. Slightly different feel. Slightly different but, feel, but not like Prius bad. No, not like Prius bad. No. So uh, 
this, you know, remember years ago, I just thought of some, remember years ago when um, there was a story that if you, you could send in names to car manufacturers and if you had a clever name and they bought your name, you would you'd get a fair chunk of money. I don't know if you remember that, that part of the equation or not. And if that still holds true, I wonder where the name Ionic came from. I, know I don't know, but I, it's, it's, I like the name. I like the name. And some of, well, Volkswagen, we talked about Volkswagen. You can't pronounce some of the names. They're going to have a new Volkswagen truck, which we'll talk about in a second. But I don't know how to pronounce the name, and I don't know how to pronounce other names. But Ionic seems to be a good name. Well, here's to the, here's to the Hyundai Ionic. We both like the car a lot. And, and I, always go, I always refer to the fact that um, the average price of a new car in the United States costs about 33000 now. So this car you could get with everything that you could possibly imagine for $28,000, let us say. So it's $5,000 under the average price of a new car in the United States. That seems to me a pretty good thing. Yeah, I, I, that's a pretty good deal. They're pricing them low. Um, just back to the three different levels yeah. again. The, the electric, to me, would be a silly option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they said 124-mile range, which is probably in reality – you know, 80, 80, 85 yeah, yeah, or 80. Yeah, yes. That's just too restrictive of a car. Mm-hmm. Just that's that's a lot of money for a car along going 80 miles. Um, four and a half hours to charge it on a um, home current. and um, No, actually, that was on 220 volts. So yes. that's, uh, I don't know what that is, sort of a, a medium current. That's four and a half hours of charge. Yes, yes. I guess uh, 110 would be a couple of days or something. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And then they, they said that the supercharger it can do, and it's 23 minutes, but I don't know how many of those type of stations there are around. That reminded me when we, we, we uh, finagled with the navigation screen a little bit, and, and I like the feature that it showed you where the next charging station Always, is. Oh, you could put in gas stations or charging See, stations. That was, yep. I thought, that's, that's a, pretty cool. That's the way to go, because I remember... Seven or eight years ago, I had the first uh, Mitsubishi that was the, the first car of its type that was available, the MIEV. All, all electric? Yeah, all electric. And it was at my mom my mom's house in the Bay Area, and, it, and it, it, that car was rated at 78 miles per charge. But what I didn't know, and I, I put some, well, I put in something from Concord and Pleasant, and Pleasant Hill and Fairfield and Vacaville and Davis, where these charging stations were supposed to be. Half of them didn't work. But the car didn't get 78 miles to the gallon. It was a 78 miles, I mean, per charge. It was 78 miles per charge at 25 miles an hour. So as soon as you went on the freeway, you were trying, every, for every mile you drove, you were maybe three or four miles of charging. So I had to stop five or six times, and I finally found two or three stations. It took me six hours to get home from my mom's house, which is 90 miles away. That's range anxiety. Range anxiety. So this car... And instead of having your smartphone, if you're going to drive wherever you're going to drive from Sacramento to L.A., you can have all these things plugged in, and it, it takes all that range anxiety away uh, if you chose to, to go that way. The other point you made, which I thought was great, um, you and I don't have to drive to work, but if we if we drove two or three miles to work each way or five miles to work each each way every day, you would ne- you never have to buy gas. You could just yeah, plug it in. Yeah. That's a that's the great thing. It's just like the Chevy Volt with a V. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you if you keep your commute short and you don't drive much, right? Come home, plug it in. You could leave it on one ten, right? Because you don't need the car overnight. Right, you know? and it costs you pennies on the dollar. Right, it costs exactly. You that's t- the way to go. And then when you do need to go to Grandma's house, six hundred miles away, you can do it. Right, because it's got the the gas motor, and then just the conventional hybrid 
I still don't, you know, it's good gas mileage, but they're claiming something like 58. Yeah, well, it depends on, on which on the region. highway. Yeah, yeah, on the highway 50. You know, I don't believe that, but. Yeah. Well, every year we do kind of a, I do a kind of an end of the year, and we've done it with the podcast last year, you know, top 10 cars of the year. And, and you know, you could say, well, why doesn't every car you pick like a supercar or this car or that car? But I think you have to pick cars that are, you know, throughout the spectrum of cost prices. People have different, people have different budgets. I think this, this car has a, a real good shot at being a top 10, for me, a, a top 10 car of the year. I, I, I like it. It makes it, sense. It makes sense. So... Okay, we're going to go through a few other quick things. Um, there's nothing more topical in the news in, in the automotive world lately than the death of the woman in Tempe, Arizona. She was walking her bicycle across the street. She got hit by a Volvo Uber car, and um, the the possibilities of where this go, where this is going uh, to me is it's going to, going to take a lot. We, we've watched the video a number of times. We have now the mayor, of, uh, the governor of Arizona, stopping all. Um, uh, car, autonomous car testing in the in the state. We have Volvo kind of trying to step its way out of b- being uh, responsible. Um, we have a bunch of different things going on here. <laughs> yeah, I saw even some of the semiconductors yeah. that, that make some of the semiconductors yeah. for the units are saying, hey. They're uh, pointing to the other guy right yeah. away. We didn't do it. So we looked at the video, and I, I had not seen the video, the one that we looked at earlier. What do you, what do you think of this they talked about two seconds, and, and this thing is just, I can't really put my finger or, or grasp on really what's going on with this situation. Yeah, I, it's still too soon. They're going to have to look at distances and uh, the lighting at that moment, you know, at that location. And could a driver, not just the mechanical, the car, the, the self-driving, maybe you could argue all day, should it have caught caught her crossing the street or not? Mm-hmm. But, I'm not sure that a human driver could have done anything. The video that I keep seeing at multiple websites is yes. slowing down. It's not in real time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it looks pretty fast, slow. I could imagine yes. in real time, I mean, we're talking snap of a finger to right. react. And you said that we, you can't tell from the video, at least the video that as we're looking at it, whether the, the, driver, of the, the driver in the car um, was reacting the, the look on the person's face was after they hit the the, the right, pedestrian yeah. or before or it, it and there's a kind of some dark shadows here and there. It's just really hard to decipher anything on the video, at least as we're seeing it. I think yeah, there's nothing conclusive there to me. So we'll we'll keep tabs on that story and where it's going and and whether uh, you know Uber is. If other states are going to shut down Uber testing. I don't know. Maybe they already have. We haven't. I haven't seen any news to that to that. Uh, uh, to addressing that at all in other states. I think it's in five or six states. Um, what'll happen, who knows? But I, I, I think I'm of the opinion that they're going to they're gonna overreact maybe um, and shut the, shut the whole thing down rather than let some time go by and think about it and really study it more carefully. It would be a shame, I think, if the whole industry shut down but that might be it, the case. I hope it isn't. I don't think it'll be shut down. There, some people are pulling back right now, like you say, the the uh, state of Arizona. But uh, it's got to continue testing, and this is going to be a better thing than, than drivers that are always ha- distracted, right? Yes. How many accidents and deaths are there by distracted driving right now? You know, probably thousands? Thousands. A year? In- so... 
this poor woman, I mean, it's, it's a terrible thing, but uh, in the end, I think the autonomous driving is going to be better. Yes, and you, you said uh, when last we talked about this that there is this term of unav- unavoidable yeah. accidents. Now, does this fall in the, in the, in the spectrum of that? Probably, I'm thinking. Well, it certainly sure could by, by a human standard, yeah, yeah. unavoidable. Right. Now, whether a machine is supposed to be, how much better is the machine supposed to be than a human? I don't know. I don't know. So maybe if the machine's supposed to be twice as good as us, then maybe it should have caught it. Right, And right. maybe, how do we know it didn't break? I mean, I see re- reports are from uh, the reporters saying there was no indication of braking, mm-hmm. but how does that mean, you know, what was the car doing? Right, right. Maybe it was accelerating around that corner, and it was getting up to 40 miles an hour. Maybe it had let off the gas, at least. Maybe mm. it did react. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, we've been to the LA Auto Show together, what, three or four times now? And the last three years we've went, I mean, the whole, if you had to pick one area of the automotive world that was topical or that was emphasized, it's autonomous vehicles. And it's been that way for three or four years. I'm curious to know what's going to happen, how they're going to address this when we go to the auto, LA Auto Show in November, if the whole focus will change or if this will be uh, nothing will happen and it'll just be the way it was. It's going to be curious to see how the industry at large follows up with everybody trying to be at the forefront of this thing. Yeah, I think what they could do is uh, put some kind of system into the software where every, uh, you know, who knows the number, but every 10 seconds... Uh, it does a beep or something, and mm-hmm. they have to touch a touch screen to what where that little square on the beep, on the say the little cathode ray tube or yes. whatever LCD screen up there. They have to touch it. In other words, they have to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. So, in when there's lots of distractions, maybe they have to touch it every five seconds. Right. Where it's you know on a freeway, they have to touch it every twenty. They have to hire you as an engineer. Yeah, you could say, I guess you could say that's distracting too. But at least they're not looking at their cell phone, looking down, or they're reading a book. Right, right. Well, um, two other quick topics for this week. We just got word uh, today, I just saw it for the first time, that Volkswagen uh, at the New York Auto Show is showing a concept for a Volkswagen pickup truck. We're not sure how to pronounce it yet. They don't have any phonetic uh, spelling indications, but it looks like Tanok or Tanok. We're not sure. It's T-A-N-O-A-K. And uh, concept right now, but the picture that they're, that they're showing, there's no plans for it to be uh, available to the public, at least for now. But it looks pretty sharp. It kind of looks like a Ford F-150 to me in the back, in, in the front, in the sides. The back has its own look. But I'm not ever, I've never been familiar with Volkswagen putting out uh, a bona fide Pickup truck? Or do you know? Well, they look like it looks. It says it's the Volkswagen Atlas, I guess. Tonuk concept. So I don't know. Will it be on there? Uh, that chassis is a is a as an SUV. Yeah, it could be. And it's it says a three point six liter V six. And yeah, the truck's good looking. They call yeah. it they call it a midsize. At least in the United States, it'd be a midsize. Yeah, it looks like a two door. Looks like yeah. a two door. Uh, yeah, it looks that's well. No, no, we pickup trucks sell, you know, like proverbial hotcakes, as we say. And so, I think it it would find its way into the pickup truck market. There, I think there are two or three of the pickups are in the top ten vehicles sold every year. So why not try yeah, another pickup? Th- yeah, this is they're they're calling it like the uh, Toyota Tacoma or Chevy uh, Colorado size. So the, yes, they don't sell a lot of those anymore. They, pretty much everybody just sells full size ones now. Yeah. Well, so we'll, we'll keep our eye on, on what happens with the, the debut of the Volkswagen pickup truck. 
And lastly, uh, next month, we went last year for the first time. We weren't sure what we were getting into, but last year at the end of April, uh, and this year it's April 29th, it's the Pacific Coast Dream Machines. It's in Half Moon Bay, and it's, uh, it'll be the 28th year of the show. And, and what this show is, it's almost hard to explain. It's, it's kind of everything that has an engine um, all put together in one show, from great cars to not-so-great cars to one-off cars to airplanes to uh, motorcycles to stunt, stunt driving to all these different things. And it's all under you know, one umbrella, if you will, of, of, a, of a, 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 I'm going to say automotive show. It's more of an engine show. Yeah, it's almost an engine show. I, yeah, you're right. It's uh, sort of quirky, any kind of quirky machine that has a motor in it. Yes. And uh, they also have demonstrations, like you say, the, the stunt uh, motorcycle riding off the ramps and doing their backflips and that type of stuff going on. They got warbirds flying around. Yes. Exhibitions. They have uh, skydivers. They have uh, monster truck rides, mm-hmm. and they got great food. And great food. usually music, a band. A couple, a couple of bands to listen to, so... Uh, and what, one thing I noticed, we, we drove down there. I forgot how long it took us, a couple hours maybe to get there. And we weren't sure, you know, I remember that we weren't, we got there and so, said, oh, look at all those, those lines of people trying to get in. But they had, the, the organization of the event I thought was quite good. They had people pointing in the right direction to park in these fields. And for, for an open air show like that, where it was a pretty massive on I don't know how many acres, it just, and it's, it's well organized is what I'm trying to say. Well, they got that, the, that tube and... Uh, it's a car show, right? So a lot of people go and have nice cars, and they're worried about their cars. Mm-hmm. They could be vets, or you know, you name it. Yes, classic cars. And so the, the parking is really good too. Yes, it's all on the lawn. All on the so lawn. None of this dirty dust bowl gravel stuff. No, that's mo- right. It was freshly mowed fields, really. That's what right. It is. So that was kind of nice. And what I like too about the cars, um, everybody there is sitting with their own car, so you can talk to the owner. Yes, right. You know, this isn't a roped off uh, look from 10 feet back. Uh, Cars. No trailer queens. No. (laughs) Um, Oh, and they fire up the engines, too. They fire up the engines. They actually have an event. I think it says, like, this year it said 2 o'clock engine crackle or something like that. (laughs) And so everybody fires up their, you know, open exhaust, whatever. Remember last year, I was trying to think about, we saw the couple of uh, one-off, were they kind of like Batmobiles, but they weren't? Uh, they, they were the aluminum color. The guy had made two of them, and that got a, a lot of attention. I forgot what they were called, but they were just, uh, I don't know what, they were just so creative and, and Yeah, he, he was using, I think they were Allison uh, V12 uh, airplane engines. Right. And they were like... Really unusual. They had a, those things had crawls, all right? made out of handmade yeah. tool pounded aluminum. It was it, those were beautiful, and they we had some old like steam fire engines. We had that. We had some cars that were for sale. Some cars that were there. Some that were you, for sale. Some yeah. were for sale. And some cars you say, why is that car here? You know, exactly. Econoline vans that were beat to hell, but you but the guy had it there, right? Why is right, this car yeah. here? So basically, it's just it's. I think the the word you hit earlier is quirky. Um, and if, if I mean, if you're into cars or engines at any level, or just to people watch for that matter, it was a it was a, a really nice. I think it's ten to four or something. And you could go down there and drink beer and listen to music if you wanted to. That's right. You, you could, could hate cars, right? You could hate you could, cars. You could drive up in your iconic. Yep, but you're so, but you're gonna, you're gonna see a lot of jeans and flannel t- and flannel shirts and. Uh, all different kinds of uh, you know baseball caps and, and people drinking beer and 
and eating uh, eating fried chicken and ribs and having just a good time. So I right, it's yes. it's the most unstuffy car show I've ever been to, which makes it the most fun car show probably. I don't know if Jay Leno's ever been there, but it seems like it'd be a perfect car show for him. He should just show up incognito and and. Uh, and uh, walk around, he would have a fun... Probably, he's got, what, 200 cars, let's say, and the motorcycles. He would find something that he doesn't have, and he probably oh, would want yeah. to buy it. So, just to reiterate, that is the um, Pacific Coast Dream Machines, April 29th in Half Moon Bay by the airport, right? And yeah. I believe it's 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can go online, uh, dreammachines.com, uh, I believe, and tickets are $25 in advance, $30 at, at the gate. Uh, and their, their, their subtitle is The Coolest Show on Earth, which, you know, maybe not the coolest show on earth, but the coolest automotive show on earth. I'd probably, I, I think I, it I'd is. probably agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, check it out if you haven't, and uh, we'll probably see you there. So for this week, uh, I'm James Rea. Don't forget to visit my website www.theweeklydriver.com, car reviews, trends in the industry, uh, all kinds of things automotive. We also have back issues of our podcast available. This will be our 31st, so all 30 podcast episodes are available. And the podcast uh, is available on the website, but you can also sign up for any of the major uh, podcast platforms. It's all over the place. And um, send us your comments if you choose to. And subscribe to my up-and-coming uh, new newsletter, which will be out in a few days. So for Bruce Aldrich, I'm James Rea, and we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. The Weekly Driver Podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today for your chance to win a 2018 Mustang RTR Spec 3.